Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Shooting Czars Premier League podcast. I'm Stuart Marsh with Bryce Conway and Alex Grant and we've got a, a rather special guest in the studio for the duration of this episode, Chris Harold, also from Perth Glory. Hello. Ciao. How are you? I'm very well, thank you Stuart. Welcome uh, welcome to the podcast. I know you're an avid listener, I know this has been nothing new to you. you know loyal fan. Yeah, loyal fan. <laughs> When's the next from episode day, coming from out? From day one. From day dot. From, from day, day dot. dot. Lies. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> He's on the bandwagon. He's on the bandwagon. He's got the sticker. He does. That's Bang. good. On my Huge. uni textbook, actually. Oh, showed Alex today. Mm. Yeah, it was nice. Alex, Alex has two stickers on his one uni textbook that he uses. I say that in quotation marks. Yeah, uses for another yeah, podcast. The old stat man. Since the World Cup, it's um, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> Gathering dust. Can yeah. it be uh, referred to as a uni textbook? Mm. Yeah, we do this podcast at a university, yeah. so I don't see why yeah. not. Wow, okay. <laughs> Chris giving out stick early yeah, doors wow. on the shooting stars podcast. Ooh, I've, actually, I've actually got a uni textbook here. With uh, call that a traditional notepad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get into specifics here with notebooks. I think that's what the. Well, anyway, that was the, that about. was the notebooks chat, but we're here to talk <laughs> Premier League football. And Chris, uh, you like many, watch the Premier League. I do. You just told us off air that you watched the highlights every. It's a bit of a Sunday morning ritual for you to sift through the highlights uh, from every match, usually. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, probably to my girlfriend's annoyance, but wake up early Sunday morning before I go to the farmers market. Wife, and get girlfriend, <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, jeez, yeah, well. he's nervous. It's his <laughs> first time. We'll let him off. He only got married a couple of months ago. It's easy <laughs> to forget. Yeah, he goes as it realised. Yeah, that one's still catching me out. <laughs> as it's just been oh dear. Didn't it, did Alex MC your wedding? He did. How did he go? Did a very good job. I was very uh, happy with my choice at the end of the day. <laughs> I Copped he, a bit of stick, but uh, I heard probably he t- expecting that. It was fun. Was it fun? Yeah. No, I heard it went well. But yeah, you watch the Premier League every Sunday morning, much to your girlfriend's annoyance. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's stuffing us up now. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I'd uh, <laughs> like to wake up in the morning and not check the scores and just watch the highlights and get the get the rundown. Who do you support? Liverpool. Oh, Bosh, how good is that? You and Bryce so will get on. We've got two of them in here tonight. Yeah. Oh, can't be doing it. We've got 45 it. minutes of Liverpool people uh, <laughs> taking over the conversation. But anyway. As it always does. All right. Well, again, thanks for being here. We're going to go straight into it. No more messing about. Man United, they're in. They're still in the uh, in the headlines. As Look, I'm going to welcome always. some Man United chat. This will be great fun. Here we go. Suppose when it comes to winning Mars, we'll just not quite have it. They're playing with 10 half the time with Mesut Ozil in their team. The worst thing you can ever be thrown at your own team or think of them is being bullied and being weak. Maybe that's that's as good as it gets for them. It's not getting any better, that's for sure. Um, as you sip your tea there, Chris. What type of tea, just quickly? Three ginger. Please elaborate on the three ginger tea. For ginger, turmeric, gull and gull. Wow. There we go, never heard Deadly of that. combo. That is huge. Everyone knows, everyone listens to this podcast knows our take on the situation. What's uh, your take on Mourinho v Pogba slash Manchester United? Well, from what I've sort of seen and read, it just seems like everything's crumbling. Um, and I don't know, it's probably what everyone's already said, but it seems like Mourinho's losing the change room and he's losing the plot a little bit. Uh which is strange because from him as him being a coach in the Premier League, I've never seen him sort of lose it like he has, yeah. like he appears to um, at Man United at the moment. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, where it goes from here. Does he last the season? What do you reckon? 
Didn't he sign a new contract not yeah, that long ago? Contracts don't matter anymore. It's just a, it's just to protect them so they get paid out when they leave or anything like that. I feel like the contracts don't hold as much weight anymore in the Premier League. That is true, but I don't know. Man United's a big club. Came second last year, won a trophy. Like it's not it's not as if he's been doing terribly past year or so. But uh, they do seem to be in dire straits at the moment. I did watch the game against West Ham on the weekend, and it was pretty woeful. Yeah, that's that's got to be probably the most damning defeat so far. A West Ham side that definitely hasn't. I mean, they lost their first four games. They've been. In, I mean, they've got seven points from their last possible nine, but still, you'd expect the United side, no matter where they are, to kind of get the points there. What's yeah, it like right. at a club when a club's crumbling? Obviously, in your experience, you've been at the Gold Coast and share what you want here. But when a club like the Gold Coast folded when you were there in the A-League a few years back. What's it like when a club, obviously different circumstance completely, not the manager stuffing up, but I suppose what's it like when the club, when there's a lot of uncertainty around the, around the club? Yeah, I suppose the players, you know, their, their resilience maybe isn't as there as much and because things aren't going their way, they maybe, you know, maybe throw in the towel a little bit easier and kind of use other things as excuses for them playing poorly. So that might be a situation at United at the moment. You know, all this stuff that's going on in the media about relationships between the manager and players and that sort of thing. And players maybe maybe jump on those excuses a little bit and use them um, as a scapegoat rather than kind of just looking at their performance individually. Do you agree with that, Al? Definitely. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a good point that Chris has just made. The fact that some players can get affected by it and looking into things in the media and... Now, obviously, we've got social media, so that plays a massive role. And, and players do read in things, and then they feel sorry for themselves. And, and like Chris said, use that as a bit of a scapegoat to then. So if they underperform, then the be- the blame gets passed on to someone else. So do you think players buy into the narratives now that are created by the media? I think it's hard not to. Yeah, yeah. You get wrapped up in it. Um, yeah, it takes a pretty mentally strong person to shut all that out, especially when everything coming your way as a player and as a playing group is all negative, it's very hard to kind of push through that. Even despite so many players that, oh, I don't read the papers, don't read blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, like, they have to. That's, that's a public statement. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a, yeah. It, yeah, it, it, is a, it is hard to avoid, but then you can flip it. Um, and sometimes the media, can, like we know, can twist things and people read too much into things. And for all we know, like at Man United at the moment, the the club might have a good atmosphere around there. You know what I mean? You you don't know. You just r- read and read into certain things and, you you know, your point of view can be totally the wrong way. All right, here's an example of reading into certain things. Um, so Antonio Valencia, the captain of Manchester United, has now apologised for liking an anti-Jose Mourinho post. So he has gone on social media and liked an Instagram oh post goodness. that suggested Manchester United manager Jose Mourinho should be sacked. Um, the post apparently said it's time for Mourinho to go. I love to find out what his excuse was. Like, oh, I was going to the bathroom and I accidentally dropped it. Do you want to my thumb double tapped or something like that? Do you that. want to hear it? It's he says yesterday I liked to post on Instagram without reading the text that accompanied the picture. These are not my views, and I apologise for this. I'm fully supportive of the manager and my teammates. We are all giving out everything to improve the results. So that's exactly what. You know what this immediately makes me think of? A little trick I used to play when I was younger when you're trying to. <laughs> woo girls and you send them a message and then if they don't reply in a certain period you pull the old oh that was my friend 
like oh, yeah. sending ha, ha. a message. Yeah, yeah. Ha, ha. ha ha lol soz. It's, that was my friend. You did, yeah. Twenty messages open. Yeah, pocket you message you. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha. Sorry. <laughs> you said my name. No no no, it was a pocket message. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh Siri. Re- Re- is that on MSN, surely? Yeah. No, that's gotta be man. MSN. Here's one of my uh, what, how much was tax? Twenty five cents. My thirty thirty dollar <laughs> monthly credit. The MMS postcard. One eight hundred reverse to mum. Yep. Cheers. Um, so yeah, that's uh, a prime example, Bryce, of reading in and apparently agreeing with things on social media. From the captain, what do you think? I think it's. I, I feel like Antonio Dang. Valencia is one of those guys that I would not expect to create this kind of controversy. He's always been one of those <laughs> yeah, guys. It's just hard work. You know, know, just doing his bit and his. He's he's that sort of player, so I'm very surprised by this. So Mourinho has absolutely no leaders. He started the season with Valencia out of... <laughs> Tried Pogba. That yeah, that's what I mean. He started the well. season with Pogba as the captain, and then he's removed him as captain following the, you know, what is clearly a dispute now. Mu Poggate, they're dubbing it. And now I just dubbed it. actual club captain is liking posts. <laughs> you guys have never liked a post in that way, have you? I haven't got myself into that kind of trouble. No, I don't. I'm absent on social media, so... <laughs> It's quite hard for me to get myself in that sort of predicament. Even if I, even if you wanted to, you yeah. struggle to. I yeah. would. I yeah. would. All right, well, there you go. Is Mourinho going to last the season, Alex? Being a fan, from a fan's perspective, Manchester United fans are, are loyal. You've been a Man United fan your whole life. You grew up in the city. Is he going to be the manager at the end of the year? For me, I don't want the club to become the Chelsea of the North and changing the managers willy-nilly. I love All that. the time. And... You know what? I don't want that. And he definitely thought of that earlier. Oh, you heard it somewhere. I, I did hear it. Is, is that? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is that written on your hand somewhere? But it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use it again. Yeah. No, but anyway, um, shouts out to uh, the football day. Yeah. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> Showing us how it's done. Cheers. I think it was Dion Dublin or someone like oh, that. Oh, what a guy. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I don't want that. And I just think United. They've got to they've got to stick with him. I think um, the manager has control over the squad. If Pogba's the one who's causing the trouble and the arguments within the squad, whether he's a world class player or not, he can be replaced. Yeah, Man United they've got money filled in the boots and you know the endless po- pockets full. You know what I mean? So they don't need to worry about getting another player in of his quality because they can do it. Yeah, and can I feel like Pogba doesn't have enough credit at United to be kind of pulling the strings and saying the things that he is saying because he hasn't really achieved as much as you'd expect. So well, the, I feel the like club hasn't anyway. Yeah, but I feel like a player of his stature, yes, he's very important, but I don't think he's done it enough at United to try and now dictate who's the coach and yeah, yeah. be causing a fuss. Yeah, like multiple Premier Leagues. Yeah, I mean, he's won a couple of Mickey Mouse trophies last season. Yeah, I like the World Cup. He's probably, he's with probably United, <laughs> with United there, Chris. I'll let, no, me, let me clarify. No, but he's probably riding high, clearly, off his World Cup win. Yeah. I mean, Euphoric Trump the world, and yeah. now he's come back into club land and yeah. thinks he can pull the strings. Not but that's the, that's the problem, I guess, with him having now won the World Cup. He's won it all. And everyone, like he has, but it's like he now is pulling rank, it seems, over the manager, which in the Ferguson days... Ferguson would boot them out of well, there. That, well, it happened with Beckham. He, he wasn't liking how he was, you know, had a high profile in the media and everything, and they, they came to blows and they parted ways. Both of them both of them did really well. So I'm just wondering if this is another Any player, situation. Roy Keane, he was another one. Yeah, it didn't get along, Fell did out they? with the manager. Gone. Gone. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And that's the way it should be. Because at the end of the day, he's going to still be there, and the player it might get fobbed off the next year. So, yeah, look, I, I want to see Marino... Stay there for the rest of the season. I'd rather I'd rather Pogba go to Barcelona. Um, I still feel like he can turn it around. 
because he has got a good group of players. You look at the starting lineup they've they've put out against Valencia last night and the yeah. squad. The squad they've got, they've got good players and joke, yeah. And they can they can sign players in January. They can sign the centre half that they that they really do need. Um and maybe sign a couple more couple more leaders in the in the squad. Maybe right. that's what it takes, a few more characters that'll Definitely. get behind the cause rather than looking about themselves. All right, listen to this. This is uh Mourinho on Manchester United from the other day. Sometimes what it looks is exactly the opposite. If I if you understand what I'm saying. You can be laughing and be the, the saddest person in the world and you can be with a with a very sad face and you can be a fantastic actor and inside of you you are very happy. So sometimes what you see is not what you get. So he's insinuating Chris that the players maybe aren't trying as hard they're, as they could they're be. very good actors. Hmm. Thoughts? <laughs> Chris? <laughs> Bit of an indictment really towards the players. It seems as if he's come out in the media and quite a lot and actually criticised his players. Yeah, it's his style. He's very combative when it comes to players and how they're playing. He likes to attack them how do you and think see how they react. Mm. Some yeah, players right. react well to that criticism, like you've seen with Luke Shaw. I thought it took a while, and then other players just can't really hack it. I feel as if in the modern footballing world that generally doesn't go down too well <laughs> with players. Yeah. Yeah. Soft. Yeah. <coughs> what do you think that's... I think, I think a lot of old pros would argue that nowadays. Like obviously, I fit into the category of a modern-day player, but I think... I thought you were going to say old pro. Yeah. <laughs> no. Seasoned vet. But you know what I mean? I, I think that's something that's labelled now. Do you yeah, think you've got the mentality. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah that, that yeah, players yeah. are soft mentally. Are you, um, are you guys soft mentally? At times. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> All right, one more piece of audio. This is Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> Look, people might think I am, but I'm not going to admit I'm soft. There you go. Give us your thoughts on this. It's been about everything off yeah. the field, with individual players, with spats, with little mini wars within the club. That's not right. That's not how a, football, a successful football club runs. You've got to make sure that you've got players in there that are, there's a harmony within the squad. There's an ambience. In but who's going to bring that? But there's a harmony being built. We look at Chelsea today. The ambience in that squad is positive. It's happy for one reason. Sorry. Ambience or atmosphere? What's the right word there? Is ambience a type of atmosphere? That's what I thought. Mm. So I f- yeah. Any. Come on, mate. It's real food, and I can't know. even talk properly. <laughs> the definition of ambience. <laughs> well, there you go. He He's, was a good player. Though. Things are not well. The legends aren't happy. But anyway, final word, Bryce, on Man U. It was funny seeing Gary Neville in a scarf. It made his head look tiny. So that's my final take. Insightful. So that's that's the happiest thing going on at the moment. Oh, Man United. I thought he works for Sky Sports now. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Chelsea because he mentioned Sari there, uh, old Rio. And apparently the ambience at Chelsea is better than Manchester United, clearly. Yeah, I thought, I think we um, kind of predicted Chelsea to have a rocky start and try and find their identity with a new coach that came in very late. And um, I just think they've kind of taken the league by storm and they've really kind of put those naysayers, including us, to bed with that, and they're start, starting to kill it. And they had a cracking game against Liverpool on the weekend. I think, for me, that was probably the best game of the Premier League season so far. And Eden Hazard, like, he's got to be undoubtedly the best player in the Premier League right now. Yeah. He's on fire. What do you think, Chris, about Hazard? Uh, look, I've liked him for a number of years, actually. He's, he's terrific to watch. Um, and he has. he's been interesting because... The last few years, he's kind of gone up and down. You know, he had like that year that they won a few years ago where he was best player in the league and then he 
dipped. D- yeah, he dipped just went Mourinho. off the radar yeah. um, the following year, and then he bought it back again last year. Had a really good World Cup. Um, I guess he's just one of those like dynamic X Factor players that when he's on song like he is at the moment, like he's pretty hard to stop. He's terrific to watch, um, even though sometimes he's a little bit frustrating because he does everything himself at times. <laughs> yeah, but then he'll go score that goal like he did against Liverpool in the yeah. cup, and you yeah. kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, mm. we'll give him the ball and yeah. leave it with him." It's one of those things. I think he, the only criticism people have had of Hazard is he he does go in and out. He is a bit inconsistent at times, but very rarely I find now. But he's topping the goal scoring charts in the Premier League now, and I think he's. I think it's a huge part of this has been he's been given the freedom by Sari to kind of do float around, have his role, whereas Mourinho wanted him very structured. That's when he had that dip in form, was under Mourinho, and he had to track back a bit more in defensive duties, which is understandable, got to defend, but I think he needs that freedom, because he's one of those players that, I feel like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm. You see social media, he's a very happy bloke, always got a smile on his face, cracking jokes, and I think he thrives when there's that. he's got that creative freedom. Yeah, where he can drift. Yeah, yeah. Just float. What does that do to a balance of a team, though? Um, I guess in the glory team at the minute, Castro is that guy that sort of has the freedom in the final third. But what does it do to the balance of the team to compensate his lack of defending or that type of player's lack of defending? Or Yeah, what do you think? Well, I guess from a teammate's point of view, if you know that he's going to produce the goods going forward, you're willing to do the extra defensive grind in order to, uh, you know, to give him that freedom. That's like my perspective. Alex, do you have a different one? Yeah, no, I concur. Um <laughs> No, definitely. Look, yeah, like Castro, we've had he's that type of player that we've got in our squad, and because you know that a player like Castro or a player like Hazard, obviously they're on completely different levels, but they are a similar type, and their roles in the team, and and the game can be a nil-nil or a deadlock or whatever, you know, and and you know they can they can pull something from nothing and and win you the game, you know, and grab it by the scruff of the neck, um, just with a bit of brilliance. So if that means someone maybe in the midfield or you know what the back has to compensate, over, overcompensate, yeah. yeah. yeah and is that something you train on though? Is that like do you adjust the shape to compensate for that? I don't think it is, is it, Chris? I think it's just something that no, kind of no. just happens in the game. Yeah, it does. organically. You just, yeah, you just react, don't you? And it's just yeah, everyone it just balances itself out, kind of thing, because you know that he'll push forward and then someone will have to cover. And Would, does that mean the striker, for instance, they say Giroud in Chelsea or Keo in? the glory would he drop deeper than Castro to defend at times would, would yeah. Castro then be left and Castro and Hazard then be left as the final man when you know you don't have the ball and you have to defend yeah at times I'd say um, I guess it's a little bit different when you have someone like Hazard who maybe drifts all across that front third a little bit more I guess it's about having like that base structure um, in your midfield and your and your defence to kind of build off that um yeah, Keo definitely, he does a huge defensive effort up top. He's one of those guys who just runs yeah, all grunts. day. Yeah, so I think you do need a striker that does that. And it, and it goes unnoticed as well. Like Giroud, like, he's he's playing well. Do you know what I mean? We spoke about this in the World Cup. He had a similar role in the French team. Like, yeah. he, he do, he's doing a job. We yeah. smashed him, though. We did, but we fans, did no shots on fans target, look yeah. at it as a, as a negative, and I think it's really harsh on some players. Is it a misunderstood role, then? Is it something that football fans that don't understand the game well enough to just don't understand, or what do you think? Fans generally look at a player's performance, I think, sometimes, before the actual result. They're quick to 
to criticise a player before they actually look at the team performance and you know because there's always a scapegoat in every team yeah. so if they obviously if a team doesn't win or doesn't score goals you look at the striker yet maybe the striker is doing a different job and then you're looking at your wingers to get goals instead that's just the way I see it and yeah, do you definitely. think oh sorry mate no 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 it's just agreeing mm. <laughs> do you think that football's become too stats orientated now I know that's kind of that Americanization with the NBA and NFL and all that it's just all the coverage is all stats based do you think that has gone into football too much now and people look towards like a Giroud look he had no shots on target no goals but his role really wasn't represented in those stats do you think football is too hard to kind of... Well, I've not spoken to you about this, Chris, but after a game for glory, what do you look at your stats and then do you judge whether you've had a good game off that or do you go... What do you do? Like, I'll, Do you look at your res- results? No, I look at my, got? my sure, performance you, sure you'd first. know your feeling of the game, though. Mm. First and foremost, I guess, we go on. Yeah, yeah, it'd be performance, number one. You know, it, as an attacking player, even if I've scored a goal, if I've had a bit of a stinker otherwise, like, I'm still a bit disappointed. Um, but I mean don't get me wrong stats are an important part of assessing performance I think Um, certain stats yeah that's true but I guess people want kind of quick information and that tangible kind of thing yeah that's what they just jump to you know and they won't look in more depth at everything else like with Giroud if people just kind of like perused over France's World Cup win and looked at Giroud, they'd be like, oh, he was poor. But if they look at the team as a whole in the way that they played, then they'd understand that they had players like Griezmann and, Are- and Mbappe scoring goals around him. Yeah, kind of facilitated all their success. Yeah, and yeah. Giroud's hold-up play is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and like that's something that I, th- I feel doesn't get spoken about enough. It goes uncredited, doesn't it? Well, I think it's being uh, credited more now, especially with the way... Like with Chelsea, they were talking about. I heard people talking about it on the podcast, on the the Five Life podcast, about Morata's role in that team. Um, the way Hazard and Morata don't work well together because Giroud presents for you know the the flick off, so Hazard can play the one twos, the quick one twos in and around the box. He drops deeper. But Morata, yeah, he drops deeper. But Morata will probably make more in behind runs, which doesn't create that option for Hazard to you know dink it around the box so they yeah. don't work as well together because yeah. Murata's more of a direct striker but Giroud yeah. can hold it up better and he's been he's been copying a bit of criticism Murata since coming from Madrid and he's I mean a lot of people have called him a flop and he, the goals really haven't been coming thick and fast for him but it's, it's one of those things when a team's succeeding he's obviously playing a role in that you, you can't be doing too bad of a job if you're still playing and you're you know contributing to Chelsea's so far successful season <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Taylor from the Wellington Phoenix. You're listening to Shooting Zars podcast. Yep, Chelsea doing well. United aren't, and Arsenal have now won seven. Yeah, in a row, Bryce. You know, seven, cops. seven competitive wins on the bounce, including Europa League and Carabao Cup and all that. But it was I watched a bit of their game, and it was quite similar to the style that they beat Everton the week before. It was a bit of a smash and grab. They weren't completely in control or on top but they got those two quick fire goals against Everton and then this week it was another quick fire it was like two two goals in two minutes I think it was and it was a fortuitous own goal from Cathcart to open the scoring and then um, Ozil chipped in and sealed the win with his second goal of the season and I think it's Aubameyang Lacazette and Ozil have got two goals each this season so they're really sharing the load in the final third just needs a little 
think they need a little catchphrase, a little tr- name for that trio, like BBC with Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano. Like they had, a, they just they they're kicking goals and they're doing well for them. I'm sure if they keep performing, they'll get one. What do you reckon, Alex, on the on the Arsenal team now, rebounding the way they have after losing? I just think their openers. A lot of other clubs are just flying under the radar this yeah. year. With, yeah, mm. with obviously the hype being around how bad Man United are doing. And I think you're right. And they're worth starting 29 years. I think that, yeah, like Arsenal now, like it gives other teams confidence. They go... They oh, just well, get on with it, can't yeah, they? you know, the the heat's on, on them. We can just get on with our job and and do as we're doing. And I think, yeah, look, it's slowly coming together for Arsenal. And, and like you said, they're picking up results. So it's, it's positive for them. Against Watford, who have been cracking form so far. So I think that's a, I think it's another good result. And they're grinding out victories like we spoke of against Everton again. They're yeah, that's showing not a bit Arsenal of bottle. Of no, exactly. Old, actually. The Arsenal of Wenger. So that's kind of what people are saying now is that has Emery just kind of injected this grit? and Yeah, maybe it's a mentality change. Yeah. Um, yeah, because watching the highlights and reading about that game it seemed like Watford were on top just before Arsenal scored um, and like you said Watford have been excellent so far this year so I mean for Arsenal to grind out a win even though they were at home up against Watford who have been were they above them before that game I think they might have been they might have been yeah they, but it's just it's, you know, it's yeah. actually a good win just things you thought were kind of an oxymoron like a hard fought Arsenal win you just don't expect Usher those words <laughs> yeah that's true I, yeah. Think, I think that's the the criticism that Wenger was getting before before he, he left was the fact that you know they lacked that backbone soft you know and they, yeah. and they were and they didn't they don't have those, they didn't have those players who had a presence in the team um, who could grind a result out like the Arsenal of old so yeah look uh, Emery, Emery's doing the business and there's rumours now coming out that Ramsey's not going to sign a new deal and he might be on the way out with Liverpool Lintz and a number of other clubs do you reckon he should stay or do you reckon he should make a move on? I mean, Juventus have been linked as well. I think he's a great player, so United need him. So if he wants to go there, I'd love that. Do they need him, though? Um, I wouldn't mind him. But do they need him? I think, yeah. I think he's you know, no, he's, he's a hard grafter, you know, he's good on the ball. <laughs> he's he's something that United haven't got at the moment. Would you, so. re- would you replace him, would you sell Mata and bring Ramsey in? Is that a yeah. sort of swap you do? yeah. Definitely. Mm. Cheers. <laughs> Straight swap deal. Yeah. <laughs> Just get yeah, Mourinho on the blow and get him on the phone. No, I don't think they would, but Bryce has just come up with the fact that he doesn't want to sign a new deal, so there you go. <laughs> I reckon he's for go thought. To, I reckon like go to Juve, man. Experience what it's like to be at such a Is I mean Ramsey a Juventus player though. I know. Like, Can it you imagine seem like a, a fit? I know it, it seems bizarre, like starting at Cardiff and ended up ending up at Juventus. It's just It'd be great. I reckon it'd be. I reckon it's just be more interesting than just going. Oh, okay, stay in the Premier League, going to Liverpool. Yeah. Mm. Oh, for for headlines and content wise, I want him to move over to Juve. I reckon that'd be that'd be fun. All right, you brought up Liverpool. Um, did he? He did. There's he a shark. Oh, he we've he, he, he <laughs> <made laughs> been talking about the past half hour. He mentioned it. I'll rub with it. But Bryce, Bryce, but out of this one. I'm going to hand it over to Chris here. Chris, give us uh, the synopsis on Liverpool. What? So far this season, or mm. yeah, God, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing well. <laughs> no, it's been it's been refreshing as a fan. I why guess. Why do you go? Why do you go for Liverpool? Uh, so when I was about, I think I was about eight years old. My uncle gave me a Michael Owen Liverpool jersey. Do you have any ties to the area? Not at all. Was it a re- was it the Reebok kit? Yeah, it was yeah, a Reebok nice kit. One. Yeah, I think it was red with a collar. Oh. I yep. think I know the exact one. The Millennium Era. Oh, man. It was around then. Yeah, and that's where the 
that's all I needed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, as a team to support. There you go. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that and run with it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been refreshing, I think, you know, especially at the back. I think uh, Allison and Van Dyke have been huge signings. Because if you look at Liverpool's back four, it's, it's actually pretty young. Mm. But those two really seem like leaders who kind of carry the other guys with them. Um, Van Dyke is is a colossus at the he's back, I think. Yeah. But he looks like a proper leader as well. And he's you can see he's always organising his back four in the midfield in front of him. And then now I think the other thing is we've got, got really good depth that maybe we hadn't had in the past. You know, being able to bring guys like Shakiri and Sturridge off the bench... Um, that makes a big difference because you know now you're not just being solely reliant on Mane, Salah, and Firmino. There's a whole second first team there. Almost. Yeah, definitely. Sturridge is like a new signing now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he seriously, looks just off the bench. Like that was his 50th Premier League goal for Liverpool on the weekend, and there's only seven players that have done that. And so I think it was like Suarez, Torres, Fowler, Gerrard, and Owen were the other six. Like that's pretty esteemed company. So yeah. for him to go out to West Brom on loan and things were looking like he there was no future at Liverpool, like credit to him mentally to keep cracking on and getting another gig. Just quickly, you mentioned Robbie Fowler. You played against Robbie Fowler in the A-League, did you not? Yeah. The well, mighty defunct North Queensland Fury. <laughs> what was it like coming up against him? I think... Uh, at, at that stage of his career and then generally just because of the name he is. I think I was too young to probably appreciate it, to be honest. Like I was just... That probably would have been the first year that I started playing, so it was a bit hard for me to probably come to grips with the fact that I was playing against such a great... When I played against Del Piero a few years later, I think that was a bit more of a eye-opener because like the just the following that he, he attracted everywhere mm. he went in Australia was pretty awesome. Yeah, the pandemonium over in Sydney would have been massive when yeah. you played him away. Oh, yeah, crazy. And then um, my wife, her... Uh, there we go. Her, got, we got it. We got that. <laughs> her mum's Italian and <laughs> all her family's Italian yeah. and they always... They're always asking about like how I played against Del Piero, <laughs> yeah. you know, like even though this was like five years ago. So what, what was he like? Was he still really skillful? What was he? What was his... Oh, he was like forty, so he was pretty stiff. But like he was, j- he'd still skip past players so easily. So saying a lot about the guy, like he was, he was ridiculous, unbelievable finisher as well, just clever. What was um, who else in the A League era that you've come up against? Like big names has sort of had that presence about him that maybe Robbie Fowler and Del Piero had. I suppose they're probably two of the biggest names that have come. Heskey was a pretty big one. Heskey as well, yeah. He maybe didn't... He's another one that probably didn't get the credit that he deserved. Um, Yeah, he wasn't scoring a lot of goals, was he? Yeah, yeah, but apparently, according to guys who played with him, said he was an absolute legend. And, you know, he's a very unselfish guy, and that was reflective um, the way he played for Newcastle. I think that was the year that Tags won the golden boot. Yeah. So I think, you know, for Tags, it worked brilliantly because... Heskey just attracted all the attention and he would uh, hold up the ball, kind yeah. of like Giroud. We're talking about Giroud. Um, and then players off him kind of reaping the benefits of that. Maybe that's such a, it's such an underrated thing in football these days because so many teams play with the one striker. It's like refreshing. I suppose Hazard's a winger as well and that sort of thing. But when two are working completely in town, a bit like a Bamiyang and yeah. Lacazette are at the minute, it's refreshing to see. And it still works, it seems. Yeah, it goes against the grain having two strikers work together. It seems like one of those things that's just kind of been phased out of football. But it's, I mean, Lacazette and Orba seem to be doing okay up there. But it's 
that big target man like Emil Heskey just yeah, seems it's gone out of fashion a bit big time and like just having someone someone there for those plan B just knocking the ball along and heading it's kind of against where football's been going but now maybe that's kind of transformed into that role we're talking about where they're just really unselfish holding the ball up and just a facilitator for everyone else around them a link yeah could be worse could be a defender never get them <laughs> never reap their rewards <laughs> Because if you win, all it's praise on the attackers, and if you lose, it's you. Yep. Well, it's your you, fault. You chose, yeah. I know. You chose what that. an idiot I am. We <laughs> <laughs> went fourth. Take the wrong box at trials. Uh, were you ever going to be a different position, Alex? Or were you always uh, going to be a centre back? I started as a left winger. Um, believe it or not, Chris. Um, when I was younger, and then mm. I moved to left back. Did you move back because you were tall? Uh, I think yeah. I think so, yeah. Is that what they cited? They were just like your size and stuff. Because I remember you playing know, you in juniors and you are about two feet taller than me you, from you a know very what? early age. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what it is. It's weird, isn't it, how you get put in positions when you're kids and like who yeah. decides what you are. Obviously, if you've got a bit of pace, you, you're you more than likely going to be an attacker or or on the wings. But yeah, like it generally comes down to size, doesn't it? Or it's such a pivotal moment in your career because it, like, it's like, all right, you're now this. You, you'd be playing left wing, you're now a centre-back. Like, okay, and then you just mould yourself. That's, that's Who knows? That's something I always kind of think about. Like, if I had gone... You would have been the next Hazard, mate. Maybe. Who knows? You know? Like, or as you're rude. You know, still not getting Stick the line right. Top. But, you know, yeah. doing a job. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Have you ever have you always been a right midfielder? Slash attacker? Uh, I was always a striker as a younger guy and then when I moved to Perth after Gold Coast because we had Billy Mehmet and Shane Smeltz um, it was always going to be tough for me to get a gig up top so I kind of like moulded into a winger I guess did you go to the club as a striker uh, yeah well, when I played at Gold Coast um, I played majority um, of games in the first team up front but a little bit on the wing as well um, I think that's quite a natural thing to happen with young attacking players, unfortunately. Especially if you've got pace. It's like Rashford yeah, at the can, moment, can I guess. Mm. The wing. Yeah. Well, I think there's that pressure with the number nine spot that you've got to score goals and maybe when you're a little bit younger, you're not as polished um, with your finishing. So it's kind of, you know, stick the pacey guy on the wing and he'll cause a bit of havoc. <laughs> yeah. What's it like in a professional setting when players have to completely, or players are completely put in a different position that by a manager... That maybe they were playing elsewhere. I mean, players obviously react different to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it tests the uh, mental resolve of certain players and shows their character. Yeah, sink or swim kind of thing, isn't it? You know, some if that's what the manager wants wants from you, then you've kind of got to come to terms with it quickly and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Um, well, one that yeah. sticks out for me at the moment is Joel. Yeah, jo- Joel Kianese. Yeah. He's kind of been converted wing back, isn't to he? a yeah. wing back, but he's been doing. Really, really well, actually. Yeah, I think it can have a well. huge upswing for some players. I think the most obvious examples we've seen in the Premier League is with Ashley Young mm. coming <laughs> yeah, back true. into like a left back, and he's always been a winger. He's and he got into the World Cup squad and everything like that. And then you've got Fabian Delph, who's kind of the forgotten man at Man City, mm. and then Pep, the genius that he is, just moves him. Oh, you're now a left back, even though you've been a central midfielder your entire career. Did really well and won the Premier League with him. So it's just, I think it is. A, I think it, it is a sink or swim kind of thing. Is like that yeah. you can. And this, yeah, like, this, there's, always, crack on. there's always standouts. Like John O'Shea is the biggest standout for me in with the versatility because on the Ferguson he'd play anywhere: centre back, right back, left back, left wing, centre mid. mid. You know, yeah, anywhere. And I think if you are one of them players and you can play in several positions, it can obviously prolong your career and you can do really well from it. Got to be mindset though, doesn't it? Like with an O'Shea, it was like, yep, no worries, of course I can. But a lot of players be like, oh, I'm not in my right position. They kind of use it as an excuse. Yeah, look at Martial. 
He's yeah. one you'd probably say... Is he handling it well? Probably not. Yeah. Sitting Just on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not, yeah. No. So final word on Liverpool. Happy. Are they going to win a trophy this year? Yeah. Yeah, I think they will. Um, hopefully it'll be the Premier League, but... Oh, please, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to have one, wouldn't it, oh, for you? Just... Like, I'd, I'd kind of like you to have one, you know, just, you oh, know. just, just I'll bang us one. Up now. Nice. Just, just, yeah. yeah. Go on, give us one. <laughs> just, just give us one, mate. Don't be rude, don't be greedy. You've got to try your hardest. <laughs> Is that positive signs? You know, it's still very early doors. Things change very quickly in the Premier League, but I think uh, it definitely, you know, Klopp's had a few years now and he's kind of, it seems like he's at the point with his squad and his team you know, that it, that he's been building towards. So I think this is a year we can really have a crack. Obviously, you know, I think Man City is still the... Yeah, still the juggernaut. Yeah, they, they're, they're probably still favourites, um, just with Pep and also their squad. It's a bit absurd as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I guess that leads into a pretty massive game on the weekend then. Oh, yes. Very much Very so. Very tasty. City look back to their absolute best at the moment after battering... The Cardiff away, and then they just yep. they just picked apart. I think um, I think the stat was they had eighty one percent possession against Brighton. It was only a two 0 win, but it was it was an absolute destruction. The score really didn't reflect their dominance, and they had twenty eight shots on target. So twenty eight shots, City at Brighton. So I think City might. They're ahead I mean, after that little blip against Wolves. I think um, I think they're going to go on another mammoth winning streak. They're now six goals on the goal difference tally ahead of Liverpool. Goal difference of 18. Liverpool have a goal difference of 12. Both are 19 points, however. But that's yeah. stretching out. Yeah, I, th- I just think um, this weekend's going to be massive. I mean, it's at Anfield in the past few years. Even when City have been at their best, Liverpool's been that one side to pick them apart. Um, so look, I'll be watching it very nervously. But uh, yeah, I think it should be a cracker. All right. Last topic before I'm going to surprise you. We're going to do a quiz on your knowledge of your career, <laughs> just so you know. So we're going to you're going to hit you that, we'll hit you with that just after this final topic. There's three teams in the Premier League now that haven't won a game: Newcastle, Cardiff, and Huddersfield. Newcastle with a goal difference of negative six, Cardiff with a goal difference of negative twelve, and Huddersfield a goal difference of negative thirteen. Ouch. Newcastle haven't won at home all year. They played four home games. It's the first time ever that they've lost their first four home games in a in a season. Um, how much does a bad start like this, like that vibe? We spoke about it last week, Alex, about like the one win you could sort of reset. But losing, having not won a game in the league for seven weeks in a row, how much do you think the players will be bringing that into every week? Is that internalised pressure, or do you think it's just or the whole the whole shebang? I guess. Yeah, I think like 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 you just said, we spoke about it last week and that that reset button. They need to find it. They need to push it. And I think they've got an opportunity this week against a Man United team who are on the back foot. You know, coming off two losses, or sorry, a loss and a draw. Um, and this is a massive opportunity for him. Um, yeah, we we spoke about it off air yesterday. I think it was or the day before, just about the squad they've got and you know the the lack of players and stuff like that and I, I just apparently there's another takeover bit happening there we've yeah I've heard that as well we've heard this so many times with Mike Ashley <laughs> yeah. haven't we I feel like it's How just many? a constantly like an annual closing down start rugs galore it's just it keeps happening every <laughs> single time with him it's just good like, analogy thank yeah. you very <laughs> good much good one that Bryce 
Thanks very much. But seriously, I think with Mike Ash, it's just a constant narrative that distracts from what's happening on the field. And I think Rafa Benitez is it's kind of like amazing manager. He's achieved so much, but there will come a point, and I think it's starting to get to that, where it's like, all right, mate, you can keep complaining about you're not getting backing financially, but here are the players you've got. You fell out with Mitrovic, and he's bagging goals for Fulham now instead of you. You're lacking goals. Mm. So I feel like some of the onus needs to now come on old Rafa. I they've had a pretty tough schedule, haven't they? Yeah, a lot of top teams yeah, in the first four yeah. games. Yeah. I think he said, though, didn't he, City, before Chelsea. the start of the season, that um, Tottenham. they'd have a relegation battle on their hands. But that's, just gonna but that's a cop-out, isn't it, for it me? Is, and that's, man. that's just to to take the line off him. But I think, like, that's like Bryce has just said, that's going to creep up on him. And I think mm. now it's, it's starting to wear and, that wear off. And it seems like they're in the same position they were last year <laughs> yeah. in terms of their squad. Like, he managed to keep them up, so... He's just got to figure that They've out. They've still got good players in there, don't get me wrong, but... But the manager's saying that at the start of the year is going to kill the psyche of the team. Well, it's going to... Players are going to hear that. Such a shock of that. It's like, basically saying the players aren't good enough, is it not? Yeah. It's it's, it's just another message to Mike Ashley saying... Doing a Mourinho. Cash. We need yeah, yeah. more money. Yeah, doing a Mourinho, but in a squad that's really not that great. Yeah. Hossily, you need to bin him. Yeah, there's a lot happening there. We'll have to wait and see uh, with Newcastle, but we'll leave it there because... Now's a bit of trivia for you. He's sweating oh, already. I don't know if that's a three ginger tea or you're just nervous. How, <laughs> how, how well do you know your own career, do you think? Oh, look, it's we spoke about stats just before. How well do you know your own stats? That's a little little hint. <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not too sure, actually. We'll I guess we'll out. find out. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. My career hasn't been that long, so if I do poorly, then it's probably not a... We got the impression that reflection. Neil Kilkenny had read his Wikipedia page before he came on I, there. So yeah, rumours are he wrote very it. Good. Yeah, yeah, he wrote it. He did it, yeah. He, yeah. Ed- he edits it yeah. on the daily. Weekly. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's time for the quiz. It's time for Grazzi's Quiz. <laughs> Never gets old, that. It just keeps going. Am I am I making these questions up in my head then? No, I've got them here. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> cheers, cheers. I've got them here. On the spot there, Granty. <laughs> I've got them here. Um, all right, Chris. How well do you know your own career? Let's go. So, what year did you win the Perth Glory Young Player of the Year Award? What season? 2009. 2000. 10 season. <laughs> Has he saved it there at the end? Oh, no, hang on. Perth Glory, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> just going to... I'll give you another one. No, no, no. Let me reset that one. That'll be 2014. There you go. There we <laughs> go. Who, who else was in the uh, in the running? Who else would you have uh, up against you? Probably Josh Risden. Yeah? He's always in oh, there. You did all right then, didn't you? Yeah, I'll take that. I He's done all right I didn't know you'd now. actually got that award, so well done, Chris. Well done, Chris. How many um, goals have you scored for Perth Glory? Twenty-one. Oh, oh come God. on! Look at this. Have you got it up on the wall? <laughs> no, because it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. come on, more twenty-one more than a means to you. Yes. Okay. Yes. You were selected to tour. <laughs> That's huge. That you were selected to tour the. Young Socceroos in March 2010. What country were you selected to tour? Argentina and Paraguay. 
sorry, what continent I was meant to say, and you got that right. <laughs> South America. <laughs> South America. Did you uh, not go? Yeah, I did. You did right. How was it? How was that to it? As if you'd forget that. What kind of a <laughs> question is that, Stu? <laughs> He's setting him up. Oh, yeah, pretty. I would have liked to travel around a little bit, but I guess that's not what we were there for. <laughs> What's Paraguay like? It's it's a country that really doesn't get the a lot of the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, well, our exposure to the capital city of Asuncion was pretty mediocre, <laughs> to be honest. Which is unfortunate because I feel as if a place like that probably has a lot of hidden gems. Oh, yeah, you'd expect But so. on a young soccer is too, you're yeah. not really exploring those hidden gems. Searching around for a Roque Santa Cruz up in the mix. No, not doing any <laughs> hikes in the Andes. Final question. On the 7th of March 2011, you were selected to represent the Australian Olympic football team in an Asian Olympic qualifier against which nation? Iraq. Oh, oh God, it's four from too four. easy for this guy. Oh, it, was, it, it was only one, so <laughs> 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 if I forgot that, it'd be pretty pathetic. Well, there we go. <laughs> Well done, four from four. He knows his career. We actually get to test him. We've never tested him yeah, we on his own career. Me? Oh, yeah. He must do that. Forgot his uni book, though, so. Yeah. Don't know if he's going to be able to do it. We'll see. <laughs> I, f- I forgot half the stuff I've done in my career. There's nothing to remember anyway, so. The journeyman. The journeyman. Yeah. All right, let's conclude this. Boys, Chris, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast thanks tonight. Me, guys. Yeah, just next time, if you could bring some tea for the whole panel, not just yourself, that'd be greatly appreciated. <laughs> so you want me to bring four thermoses? <laughs> that'd be really good. Matching ones as well, please. Oh, this is actually from uh, Munich in Germany, so that might be a little bit difficult. But well, uh, Off-season, we've got time. I don't want to hear excuses, oh, yeah, Chris. I'll I want to hear in. solutions. I'll yeah. pop in. Yeah, all right, brilliant. Are you, are you pumped for the season? Not far away now. Yeah, it's been a... I'm sure Alex has said it. It's been a very long <laughs> and arduous pre-season so is there any way the A-League's ever going to put more games in the season add more teams but yeah, yeah. and I believe that mm, might be happening yeah it's probably going to be two yeah next time. not this season that the would season be, after yeah. that but would be terrific do you think it's worth having this I know there's not as, as many games but the pre-season it's, it kind of seems like it's ridiculously long well I guess the clubs don't really have a choice it's either give us Longer time off, which they obviously don't want to do. They get smashed for if um, they don't perform. If it, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you kind of break up your off season more and have sh- you know multiple shorter breaks. But yeah, I don't know. It's it is it is a difficult one, but that I think will only be resolved by the addition of more clubs, which makes the season longer, and maybe internet like adding more international breaks as well during the season. Yeah, just extends the actual period of the season as well so look hopefully that does happen in the next few years the whole issues revolving around governance seems to be heading in the right direction so yeah. that's a really positive thing for the league yeah that got resolved the other the other day as well so yeah, it's lowy the fifa issues yeah. so that's all good for the league but yeah could be new teams soon all right boys cheers bryce cheers Thanks out very much cheers chris uh Thank you. we do have twitter and instagram as well so if you are listening and you're not following us follow us subscribe to us do it wherever you uh, listen to the podcast. Also, happy birthday to my brother Dave over in Europe. We're doing this on his birthday. So, yeah, we'll be back next week. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for you guys.